This is the official podcast of the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine Anniversary Interviews, celebrating 10 years of progress. This is your host, Michelle Lin, and I had an amazing interview with Dr. Dara Cass, the founder of FeminM and director of equity and inclusion at Columbia University. She talks about the critical need for different platforms to elevate women in emergency medicine and why joining AWOM was the single most important decision she made in her career. So tell me a little bit about where you are in your career and how you got there. <laughs> it's a really, it depends on the day. That's a complicated question. Um, but right now I am a part-time attending at Columbia. I work about a point for FTE, where I am the director of uh, diversity and inclusion, or equity and inclusion, I guess, in the department, helping to uh, promote programs that support equity and inclusion for the faculty. Um, I also work a clinical shift a week, which is exciting. The rest of my time is spent actually doing stuff on FeminM, doing some other entrepreneurial ventures, uh, traveling, giving grand rounds, uh, basically, you know, work in the gospel of the women in emergency medicine work. That's amazing. And tell us a little bit more about FeminM for readers who, the few readers who may not have heard of this. Okay, so FeminM started in 2015, and it's uh, amazing that this is actually part of the AWOM 10th anniversary issue because I think that we will go further into why, how AWOM actually specifically was integral to FeminM's existence entirely. Um, but AWOM started in 2015 as actually an extension, ironically, of the AWOM newsletter. So the real, one of the real reasons it started was because we had had this great AWEM newsletter, I remember, and I was on, I, maybe the newsletter committee or what, I had done enough in AWEM that we were actively doing stuff, I was on the board. So there was this amazing newsletter uh, with an article about postpartum depression that I just thought was extraordinary. And I read it and it was so moving and I was like, wow, nobody's gonna read this. Because it's a newsletter and it was a newsletter on a listserv and it was part of a great group of women that were well connected, but I felt like it needed a broader audience. And if you paired that with the evolution of FOAM, which was free open access medical education, and our knowledge about podcasts, well, no, I'm lying, that was before podcasts. So um, blogs and Twitter and Facebook and stuff, I was like, you know. That coupled with another experience of a woman in emergency medicine who was frustrated by her child's son, her child, her son's school calling and not uh, knowing which parent was a stay-at-home parent, I was like, wait, we need better information dissemination. And so we started this website called FeminM that just was basically a repurpose of newsletter articles. I said, I have enough AUM content. I got permission from all these writers. Um, we went into AWEP as another organization and tried to find old content that had never really gotten the platform it deserved and wanted to make it open access. And since it wasn't really a membership thing, we could facilitate and support getting into those groups by people seeing the amazing content that those groups were generating. And then obviously Feminem evolved into something much different and on its own complementary to all these other groups. But that was basically how it started. And what's changed since then? <laughs> Everything. My whole life's changed since then. So we started it actually, and I think this is part of the, the growth story of any big project, right? So everything about Feminine is mission-based. It's about the idea of supporting um, gender equity in medicine, specifically emergency medicine. And everything we do actually um, is really aligned with that mission. I mean, even this morning, Jenny Beck Esme, who's my co-editor-in-chief and I, um, you know, had a problem and we think we've, we're building a new part of the platform today that is just an answer to a problem that we realized we hadn't solved in the past. And so um, it has been really fast. We started out thinking that we were just gonna repurpose old articles 
and content. And then we got a massive number of new articles and content. And some of it was me emailing people being like, remember that story you told me over a glass of wine at a you know conference? That would make a great article. Facebook group, Speakers Bureau, you know, we have a job board. Now we have obviously the conference and the podcast and the bookstore and all these other little things that have just added up to be what I think is the best central resource across the house of medicine for women that are both academic in the community out of the country not only in emergency medicine so it kind of it spans a, a network that's larger than any of these individual groups and what i hope it does also is reminds people of the power of women's networking um individually and and it's a collective and reinforces the value of each of these other groups for specific purposes absolutely I'm going to rewind a little bit and uh, have you tell me about why it was that you joined AWEM in the first place. So uh, involuntarily is always the right answer for AWEM. <laughs> and the second answer is always Gloria Kuhn, at least as my generation has it. So I literally was, ang I remember I was angry at, uh, I just had my first daughter, I think, and uh, or she's my only daughter but my first kid. And I was complaining, as I do loudly and as frequently as anyone will listen, about the lactation support at my job. And I was at SAM and I was in the hall and I was talking to Gloria about something and I was complaining how I had to solve this problem on my own or whatever it was. And Gloria said to me, you know where you should complain about this? In this room I'm going to right now, which was the AWEM meeting. And I got there and I was like, wow, these are my people. Like I was done, I was hooked from day one. And um, I remember that Stacy was there, Podnanski, who was the president after Gloria that year, I think. Um, and then she set the stage for Esther and became this network of my people who were really my fundamental team that then supported me through everything that I did in medicine. Uh, so Gloria Kuhn is the answer why I'm in AWEM, why I joined AWEM. And it was probably one of the most formative organizations in my life, certainly in my career in medicine. Um, tell me a little bit about what caused you to become such a leader in this space. Rage. Rage is a really good motivator for women, I think, and um, and in, and uh, impatience. I think for me, those are my two biggest driving factors. Um, I don't have that long on this planet, and I don't have that long in medicine, actually. Um, and I'm angry at people not solving problems, and so I try to solve them. And I have a certain element of. Um, energy in my gut that other people don't have. Like I, I will acknowledge that I am built a little different than most people in that I I get driven to make change. When other people accept things as factually final, I accept them as transitionally inconvenient. And so I feel like <laughs> I'm trying to make change in the world. Um, and so that's, that's why. And it's not about being a leader as much as it is um, believing in change, seeing it to fruition, and inviting people along with you. It's, it's, I didn't set out to be the head of anything. I don't have, I love the attention that I get for being successful at things, but this isn't about an aspiration to be in charge. It's about an aspiration to make a difference. And I think that maybe that's a better leadership quality than almost anything else because it's also really, I'm, I'm humbled in, in the change we've made, and I'm excited for the new changes we're gonna make. Uh, tell me a little bit about how both AWEM and Feminem meet the professional needs of its members. I want to continue to protect the um, personality of each of these women's organizations for a specific cohort of women because I think that allows them to 
live symbiotically in this space. Um, AUM was founded specifically to support women in academic emergency medicine. It is the is the interest group of SAM. And in that vein, it should be able, it should be able to provide a service to women in academics that would otherwise either not be um, provided or would other organizations shouldn't even should they should support a women that mission and not try to provide it themselves. And I'll give you a good example of that. So um, we at Feminem get a lot of interest in a lot of things to solve, a lot of problems to solve. And one of them was about um, letters for promotion. And, uh, you know, we know that women get promoted less than men. And we also know that getting your letters for promotion can be a barrier. And that one of Feminem's missions is to connect women towards solving problems and inequity. But letters for promotion are actually a specifically academic need. And so although people brought it up on the Feminem Facebook group and even in conversation, one of my, when I looked at the landscape of who needs to solve what problems and how, my answer was, let me reach out to the women at AWEM and see if we can work together to solve this and have it be an AWEM product as opposed to a feminine product. Because feminine doesn't need more products. It it has a, its own space and, and, and land grab and it's really great and everything is, is wonderful. And I felt like amplifying a, a way that AWEM was specifically valuable to its members was more important at that moment. So now AWEM has a letter writer bureau service that we're developing that allows women who need to go for promotion to find other women specifically, but other letter writers across the board who will help support them in their promotion. To me, that is organically and natively an AWEM idea and product, and it belongs with AWEM. The same thing is true with AWEP, which is another organization that is from ASAP, and there are policy or um, operational support programs that go to the practice of, of medicine, emergency medicine, as a um, specialty that belong at AWEP as well. Some of those may be leadership academies for uh, directorships. Some of them may be policy initiatives for advocacy as far as payer mixes go. But there are going to be programs that belong specifically under those organizations. Feminem is really the, the incubator for those ideas, and in all fairness, the catalyst to how by which change will occur. Because historically, large organizations that are um, bureaucratic make change very slowly. And they don't really, even their websites don't have the um, infrastructure to accept new platforms and exchanges easily. So it may mean that we build something on Feminem and then feed it over to AWEM to make it see to fruition until SAM can get there, which is fine because there are different policies and different structures that happen when you have a large organization that has a huge membership and a big infrastructure. Feminine is a lean organization. You know, it's a startup for all intents and purposes, and we can change things faster. But our, our goal is to be very supportive of these traditional organizations because they are necessary to our progress. Um, tell me a little bit about how your experiences have translated into increased gender equity in your own workplace. It depends on the workplace, right? So, I mean, I told you that at Columbia, I am now the director of equity and inclusion, which specifically is a, a reflection of the work that we're doing at Feminine and my experience in all of these equity spaces and understanding how to make change um, kind of disruptively and then turning that back around and doing it kind of uh, traditionally. And I have a really supportive boss who is also active in AWM and SAM and is a board member of SAM. And that means that together we can um, take a lot of the lessons we've learned 
and bring them back to traditional academics, which I think is really important. Um, you know, we know that we have problems with pay equity. We know we have problems with promotion equity. We know we have problems with, you know, kind of schedule viability for parents of both genders. But, you know, like everything else, you know, what rolls downhill fastest hits women first. And so um, I've learned a lot about those across the entire house of medicine from all the women that we work with. And I'm able to take a lot of those lessons to my department specifically um, and also support other people in their growth of their women's groups, in their growth of their um, mentorship programs, in their growth of their other support programs uh, that allow them to solve their problems in their departments. Um, the other thing is that much like federal laws versus state laws or federal rights versus state rights, every solution is not going to be the same in every department. And it's really important that we at FEMINEM and at AWEM and at AWEP and every other organization that I think that is created for women or even just to solve a problem understands that local solutions are best for their membership. National support is important. Guidance is really important. Um, I think guidelines are really important. But ultimately, it's going to come down to what works in each department and making sure that the people in that department are supported in the way that they need the best. Are you still involved in, you know, academic promotions? Like, are you still required to produce scholarly work? So I'm really lucky in that um, I get to be the invited contributor to a lot of scholarly work now, which is the best place to be. Like, in, in your academic career, that's exactly what you want, right? You want to become the content expert that people are like, oh, I have this idea for paper. I want to start getting a first draft done. Would you come and be either the last author or a middle author just to contribute and see what happens? So I'm actually more productive now than I ever had been before. Some of it is that I get to put my ideas out there and say, this is a great project. Let's see it to fruition. And then somebody else makes it happen. The other part is that we started a nonprofit a research foundation, um, which allows us to fund research um, for gender equity. And so we're starting that and getting that off the ground now. Um, the other part is I give grand rounds literally every month at a different institution. And that means that I have to stay current both on the research and what answers we need to have to certain questions. Um, and the other part is Esther Chu is like the yin to my yang. We are like integrally connected. And so she requires that I'm <laughs> a smart academic. And, you know, I require that she's a little extroverted. I don't know. Um, but it really helps me want to continue to write and produce and to be uh, academically productive. So yeah, I mean, I am more academically productive now than I have ever been before. I'm going to rewind even more. Tell me how gender has affected your own career development. So I think for me, um, gender roles, actually more than gender identity, were the more formative uh, factor in my life and career. My personal gender, like being a woman in medicine, uh, if I had not gotten married and had kids and been in a very kind of cisgender, heterosexual, traditional marriage, probably would not have affected my work as immediately and as absolutely as it did because I was married having babies with a husband who worked full time. And so uh, as the primary parent. And so all of those decisions that I made that were quote unquote choices, uh, I knew I was making them at the expense of my own career aspiration and success. And I knew that I was doing that because the structure of the job didn't allow me to be both successful, aspirational, and also solutions-oriented when it came to my life. And that was by far the largest driving factor in, in even building FEMINAM, right? Because even like I said, the two things that, that were formative to me saying we need a big platform were postpartum depression and somebody's school not knowing 
you know, that, who the prior parent was. And it's not to say that then once I was open to that, then once my eyes were open, I was paying attention. Then there were all these other gender-based issues that I saw women facing, including me. But for me, like I'm a I'm an agentic female in a lot of ways. Like I I don't um, my personality traits are are if you look at the continuum of like communal traits versus agentic traits. I have a lot of agentic traits, right? I am relatively, I mean, I am a little louder. I'm more assertive. I don't necessarily get. Um, I have whatever I have certain traits that 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 have not always served me well when people are looking at you know gender based responses but I I am I have a lot of agentic traits so I don't know that I ever took personally a lot of the gender based judgments that people had although I knew I was affected by them many of my evaluations were based on the fact that I was agentic and not communal and therefore I was being judged as being bossy and pushy and loud and obnoxious and yet men who were just like me were being judged as being smart and assertive and you know leaders and God knows what somebody would have happened to me if I was noticed to be a leader early on why is it that I built my leadership style and I built my leadership platform from this when I wasn't even elected chief resident as a resident right think about it like now if you look at the whole country of leaders in emergency medicine I, it's pretty impressive that I was not even elected chief resident in my residency. I'm not that different, right? It's just the qualities that I have are now amplified in a different platform. So I think gender has affected my career in ways that I didn't internalize when I was younger, but it was gender-based roles, especially within the family, that got me, that affected me the most to change my career. That's such a thoughtful answer. Thank you. Um, what career accomplishment would you say that you're most proud of? <laughs> if I don't say feminine, I feel like it's the wrong answer on many levels. But I actually, it is the most, it is the thing I'm most proud of. Because, you know, it literally started from nothing. Like, it started from an angry idea that I had. Like I said, rage and impatience are my two most important qualities. And um, when they come together, they can spark magic. They can also totally undercut my success, right? So if I'm impatient with rage in the wrong environment, I have a lot of backlash and it doesn't do me well. So knowing where to channel it has been my biggest growth. Um, but I would say taking an idea and seeing it to fruition and then watching it be, in all fairness, a financially successful endeavor that is sustainable without me, um, it's like parenthood. It's like giving birth to somebody and then watching them go to college. I could transition all of the leadership of Feminem to other people that are ready to take it over and it would be on its own productive enough to sustain itself in perpetuity as long as the mission was continued to be followed. And that is a pretty cool thing to say. What piece of advice would you give your younger self or an A1 member at an earlier stage of her career? I actually get this a lot about the idea that um, there's a lot of time. You know, like I, I'm an impatient person, like I said, and my younger self, I would tell that there's time, right? There, these solutions are coming. Be part of the solution, but, but remember that, that, like you don't have to do everything right away, right? That's I went to medical school. I took no time. It's fine. Um, the most important advice I would give to somebody in AUM, and this was the best advice I figured out without being told it was develop your network of women in medicine outside your institution. Develop your network in your institution as well. But having a really strong network of women and men, but peers outside of your institution that can travel with you even if you change jobs is the most 
important thing you can do for your career sustainability. It's actually the reason to be involved in national organizations and not just in your hospital. So if you're only involved in your hospital leadership and your departmental leadership and your institutional leadership, that's you need to do that. That's that's important for promotion. It's important for your job security. It's important for your stewardship in your department. I'm not minimizing that. If you want to have portability, confidence, and in all fairness, your brand, you need to have a network of people outside of your institution that will help highlight jobs that are good for you if you need to change, support you in the application somewhere else, communicate your value across institutions, write letters for you when you're up for promotion. So having national presence and a network outside of your institution is by far the most liberating thing you can do in your career. It's probably the healthiest thing you can do in your career. It gives you a safe place to have conversations about your job that is not directly affected by the people that you work with. And I think it's the smartest thing young people can do as they, as they build their career. What an incredible endorsement for joining an organization like AWEM. I'm telling you, it changed my life. <laughs> All right. Uh, please name three other AWEM members we should interview. Maybe one around your career stage, one slightly more junior, one slightly more senior. So, I mean, obviously, I, I don't say at every interview I mention Esther Chu somewhere. I get dollars for it, actually. She pays me. So it's all good. So I will always mention Esther Chu. Uh, I think that she's somebody who AWEM has absolutely changed her career. Uh, Flavia Nobay is another one that I would interview, and I'm sure that you are already going to do that. And Liz Goldberg, who, I, although they're all really smart and academic, they'll have different perspectives about how influential a group like this has been in their uh, career aspirations and their career success. And I think they'll have interesting stories to tell. How do you anticipate the professional needs of women in academic emergency medicine will change in the next 10 years? Oh, that's an interesting question. I really hope that we have less gender-specific issues and that AWEM as an organization is going to have to fuse into something more universally supportive, maybe even be just about equity in emergency medicine or something. I think that, you know, I'm not ignorant enough to think that we're that close to solving these problems, but I am hopeful enough to think we might be. Um, I think that many of the gender-based problems we have in medicine are actually operationally possible to solve when it comes to the construct of um, promotion and pay gaps and culture of harassment. And I think we can get there with a active and, and you know aggressive push towards equity. Then the next thing comes to supporting women as they face bias. And again, with education and with active open communication and with a culture of inclusion for solutions-oriented men, I think we can get there as well. So then I think AWEM does something different, and I don't know what it does. I Don't get me wrong. It's going to take a long time to get to those places. But I think we're getting there, and I think that we are – it's about – getting the right men at the table. It's about talking about these issues objectively and consistently. It's about our cultural changes in emergency medicine first before other specialties. It's funny. We are the last littlest children in the house of medicine and still really poorly respected across the stage. As a specialty? As a specialty. Yet, like the last youngest children in anything, we are changing the world faster. We see all patients regardless of ability to pay. We see every disease that everyone else sees. We are omnipresent. We are, um, you know, problem solvers. And at the end of the day, we're humane in a way that, for the most part, look, there's plenty of us that aren't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ignorant. But 
I do think that we are the specialty that's changing things fastest, especially as it relates to equity and inclusion. Look, and again, like everything I say, this is gender, not race, and certainly not the rest of the kind of underrepresented community because God knows we have so much work to do there. But I, I do feel the sea changing, and I feel like people are aware and that's the first step and they're accepting and they're interested in progress and you know it's the reason feminine is so successful like people aren't afraid of talking about it and that is absolutely the first step so again maybe not during my career because i don't know how much longer i have left but <laughs> during maybe my daughter's career in medicine, although she's not gonna become a doctor, but I do think that we are getting towards real change. And then AWIM has to find new problems to solve. Thanks for joining us. Next week, I speak with Dr. Lexi Mannix at the University of Florida, who shares how the networks and negotiation skills she learned through AWIM were critical to her recent job search. See you next time.